Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. His mercy endures forever. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you in our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. 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 The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which giveth life to the world, evermore give us this bread, that he may live in us and we in him, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
A reading from Numbers. From Mount Hor, the people of Israel set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit any man, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. The word of the Lord. A reading from a letter of Paul to the Ephesians. You he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind, and so we were by nature children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind, But God, which is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved, and raised up with us, and raised us up with him, and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does what is true comes to the light, that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been wrought in God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
And the Lord said to Moses, make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. One question that has plagued Christianity, that is asked over and over again, and has been throughout the time of Christianity, is this. Do things, images, have a value and a worth over and above what they are? That is to say, does something like a crucifix have more meaning than just being a metal alloy that is poured in a particular fashion and affixed to pieces of wood? Another question that's related to this age-old dilemma is something like this. Is it okay to use such an item in prayer and devotion, in worship? Or if we use items, images... Does that then become an idol? Now these questions first raised their head in the beginning centuries of Christendom. There was a great and huge global controversy over icons and other images of holy things. Some said there were to be absolutely no images at all whatsoever in church and no images in people's prayer lives and lives of devotion. Those things, it was said, were an abomination God. Others, however, said that the images pointed to something larger, said they opened up to holiness. They carried with them something of the holiness of the person or the thing they represented. Now, that was solved with an ecumenical council in the first millennium of Christianity, but it occurred again in the Protestant Reformation specifically in England, depending on who was king or queen and depending on the political party that had the most power, images were put in churches or they were taken out of churches and destroyed. Now, if you read some of the biographies and diaries and history of the Protestant Reformation, you can really see what a mess it all was. One day, officials, the ruling party would enter the parishes enter the churches, they would smash the stained glass windows, they would take out all the crosses and statues and pictures, they would remove all the candles and leave the church absolutely bare, devoid of any image whatsoever. And then sometimes within the matter of months, a new king or queen would be enthroned, a new political party would take over, stained glass would then be commissioned. And images, statues, candles, and the like would be put back in their place. It got so bad and occurred so often that many of the church wardens, our junior and senior warden, would take all of the statues and the crosses and images and paintings, they would take them all, hide them, either down wells or they would bury them in the countryside to keep them safe from the madness at hand. Now, to put this into perspective, most of us will understand, we can look to our own flag-bursting controversies to get a feel for what was going on. Some people ask, why all the controversy over burning the American flag? After all, it's nothing more than fabric, cotton, or nylon, dyed in a certain fashion, or sewn in a certain pattern. 
But while it is only nylon and cotton and dye sewn in a certain fashion, the flag points to something larger. It is a symbol of our freedom. It is a symbol of our liberty. It is the symbol of the collective soul of these United States. And as such, we treat it with respect. Or at least that is what our government and our people say overwhelmingly. So the flag, albeit nylon and dye formed in such a fashion, it still carries with it the reality of America. And the flag, in some real intangible way, carries with it liberty and freedom. And so we pay it the respect it deserves. And it's the same with religious images, with statues and pictures and the like. They carry with them the truth of God. They represent the truth of God. They open the seer up to a greater reality, to a holy reality. One of my more dear stories of the saints of the early church deals with a person named St. Stephen the New, not St. Stephen the Deacon. But during the first controversy over icons in the church, St. Stephen was asked by the Roman officials to step on an image of Jesus Christ to prove that it meant nothing. That it was nothing more than wood and paint. And Stephen couldn't do it. So instead of stepping on an icon of Jesus, St. Stephen the New took a Roman coin from his pocket, threw it on the ground, and stepped on the image of the emperor. Now the Roman government took, didn't take that too kindly, and Stephen was beheaded the very same day. Because although the image might not have been nothing more than metal and wood, the coin with the emperor's image on it represented something more, obviously. Images carry with them the thing they are created to represent. Images open up a larger world to he or she who sees them. Today's Old Testament passage, we get a glimpse into the life of the Israelites as they are wandering in the wilderness, almost through with their time there in exile, traveling towards the promised land. And as is par for the course, as the same thing that's been happening for 40 years almost, they complain to God that food is horrid, loathsome, and worthless, they say. They complain. They cry out that they would have been better off staying enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt. It's that bad. They cry out to God, complain against God, and God sends them poisonous, fiery serpents to punish them. To show them, really, that things aren't as bad as they think they are. Moses begs God on their behalf. And God instructs Moses to do something odd, to make a bronze serpent that when looked at, cures the effects of the poison. So Moses casts the serpent. The people who are complaining look at it. They repent and all is well. The serpent itself is carried with them. It is put inside the temples and remembered until the destruction of the temple. It has a special place within the temple. The faithful even come when they come to the temple they come and offer incense before it during worship. Now, mind you, this, this offering incense to a bronze serpent is from the same people who have as one of their Ten Commandments, thou shalt not make for thyself any idol. So it's odd, and many people ask, well, is this bronze serpent not an idol? 
Why does this take the place of prominence among the people of Israel? It's because when they look at the image of the bronze serpent, they actually look on the truth and mercy of God himself. A God that spared them, a God that led them through the wilderness to the land of promise. A God that redeemed them, that saved them. That is to say, the bronze serpent points to God himself. The bronze serpent opens up a reality that is holy and eternal. The bronze serpent contains and carries with it the mercy of God. It's not an idol, but a signpost, a symbol pointing to God. Now we must ask, what things do you have in your own life that is a signpost, a symbol pointing you to God? Is it a cross you wear? A cross someone gave you? Is it a crucifix or cross in your home? Perhaps you have an icon or another sacred image that points you to the holy, that opens up for you a larger reality. These things are part of our tradition. They are things that aid us in our devotion. We bow as the cross as it goes by. We reverence the altar. We wear crosses and crucifixes. We have images. They're symbols and signposts showing to us the love and mercy and peace and joy of God. They're teaching tools, gentle and firm reminders of many, many things. But above all, they point us to God in Jesus Christ. Now, one of the most important images that we often overlook is us ourselves. Human beings... The book of Genesis tells us we're made in the image and likeness of God. And that we must never forget. If paintings and statues and bronze serpents can point us to God, can show us the love and mercy of God, then we as human beings can most certainly do the same. We have the ability. It is within us that we can open up a world to people who need help seeing God And seeing his love and his peace and his mercy. Now that's something worth working on the remainder of Lent. The image, while it is within us, is often distorted and blurred. It takes vigilant prayer. It takes a life of virtue and dedication to have this image of God shine forth within us. But I want you to imagine for a moment what you could accomplish with dedication to this task. In a world that is dark and broken, in a world that is filled with isolation and pain, in a world that is suffering, in a world that has in many places forgotten what peace and mercy look like, what joy and happiness look like, we could, by our very lives, open up a heavenly reality. We could point others to the direction of God, we could show others mercy and peace and love. And what a wonderful gift to the world that would be. To be an image, a bearer of God's peace and love and mercy. So don't fear to make the most of sacred images. Use them to help remind you who you are. Use them to connect you to eternal realities, to heavenly realities. Use them to help you in your quest for holiness. 
Use them to connect you to God through Christ. But don't neglect your prayer life. Remember your prayer life. Work on having a life of virtue and goodness and mercy and peace. Work on living a life that will allow the image of God to shine forth through you to a dark and broken world. Use what God has given you. Use who you are. Use how God has created you to show others to Jesus Christ. Do not bury the image of God. Become the image of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Standing, let us affirm our faith in God and in his holy church. We believe in one God. The prayers of the people, Form 4, is found on page 8 of your service leaflet. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours, 
and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. We commend to your mercy all who have died, that your will for them may be fulfilled, and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray for our own needs and for those of others. For your handmaids with child, especially Heather Brown, Catherine Davis, Jessica Dees, Maggie Farrell, Karen Fitzgerald, Elizabeth Hancock, Kim Johnson, Amanda Kennedy, Jennifer Malone, and Lynn Williver. For those celebrating birthdays this week, especially John Geis, Gordana Karaposka, Lex Lindsay, Judy McLaughlin, Henry Malloy, and Connor Sullivan. For those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, especially Dan Walters, Connie Baxter, Mike Blanton, Lisa Bouchelon, Forrest Boyd, Beth Boykin, Mac Bullock, Cesar Centino, Luca Seraldo, Ed Dougherty, Bonnie Garner, Misty Ham, Bill Hersom, Leroy Jensen, Sharon La Rochelle, Lynn Jenkins Lindsay, Mary Lou Lott, Della McAllister, Josie McDaniel, Jean Miller, Austin Morgan, Sherry Parrish, Jenny Lou Kwong, Catherine Rich, Ashley Rogers, Diane Scott, Rule Shows, Casey Smith, Don Smith, Robert Smith, Wendy Sneed, Carolyn Rustansel, Henry Temple, Joan Todd, Kitty Wagaspack, Shirley Waldrop, and Maria Webb. For all those who suffer from chronic illnesses and for those we now name. And for those who have died in the service of their country.
For the protection of the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad, especially John Asbell, Louisa Balthazar, Chase Bradshaw, John Brewer, Michael Buechler, Michael Cahill, Mark Carter, Melissa Kleckler, Stan Harris, Jay Holloway, Scott Howell, Eric Emilio, Walton Lucky, Bailey Lutz, Calvin Powell, R.P. Powell, Harold Russell, Michael Thomas, Joe Vinson, James Warner, Mike, Mark Waters, and Wyatt Welch. Lord, in your mercy. O thou who hast prepared a place for our soul, prepare our soul for that place. Prepare it with holiness, prepare it with desire, and even while it sojourneth upon earth, let it dwell in heaven with thee, beholding the beauty of thy countenance and the glory of thy saints, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Please stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Say peace. Okay, peace. Peace, girl. All right. There we go. All right. Peace, Thomas. All right. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome to St. John's on this Rose Sunday. Um, we, uh, we're going back to our non-spring break schedule this week. Uh, so tonight at 5 o'clock, we'll continue our worship, Sunday worship with Stations of the Cross and Benediction. Uh, EYC will meet tonight at 6. Uh, then on Tuesday, we'll offer, uh, the Daughters of the King will offer their Lenten quiet hour. That's Tuesday at 1030. It's a time of refreshment and meditation and reflection um, led by the Daughters of the King. I do commend or invite and encourage all the women of this parish to, to, to consider that and mark their calendars to attend that. Uh, that's 1030 a.m. Tuesday morning in the chapel. On Wednesday, we will uh, continue healing Eucharist with unction at 1205 in the chapel. And then uh, here in the church, we'll have even song or evening prayer uh, followed by our soup and salad dinner. Uh, remind Reminder to all the vestrymen that we will have the vestry meeting that night at 6.30 after the soup and salad dinner. So if you are a vestry person or know someone who is, please remind them of that fact. Uh, and I think that's that's all that is really pressing, uh, pressing right now. So again, uh, welcome and uh, I hope everyone had a prosperous spring break. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave him... I forgot... <laughs> Sorry. Um, we have uh, an odd mistake. This, I think this mistake came up two years ago. The last hymn, uh, the exit hymn in your bulletin is missing a line. Uh, so if you will, at the exiting procession, uh, your blue hymnal has the correct hymn in there. So if you'll turn in your blue hymnal at the end of the service as we process out to hymn 699, that has the the uh, correct hymn in it. So the hymn in the bulletin is wrong. As we exit, please use your blue hymnal, uh, hymn 699. Okay, now.
That's good. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us in offering and a sacrifice to God.
Please stand. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. The holy sacrifice of this Eucharist is offered to the greater glory of God and thanksgiving for his many, many blessings upon our lives. Giving thanks, especially this day, for the grace of God that saves us. We offer special intentions for those in our parish family and beyond that are traveling at the end of this spring break week. May God's mercy and peace go with them. On this Mothering Sunday, we also offer our prayers and thanksgivings for the women of this world, remembering especially those who bore children, who mother or mothers to others, remembering especially those who live in areas of war and famine and violence, remembering those who are abused and unwanted, remembering those who suffer for the sake of love. And may the souls of all the faithfully departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen.
subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. Tonight is handed over to suffering and death. Our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me.
Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us Bow down before the Lord. Look mercifully on this, your family, almighty God, that by your great goodness they may be governed and preserved evermore. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.